We hope you enjoy listening to this podcast of St. Louis on the Air, brought to you by University College at Washington University. With undergraduate and graduate programs, part-time, evening, and online. University College at Washington University, offering world-class education within reach. Welcome to St. Louis on the Air. I'm Don Marsh. Longtime University City resident Henry Biggs has worn many hats in his career, scholar, academic, accomplished athlete. But his athletic prowess is coupled with a desire to bring a community together. He's a marathon swimmer whose accomplishments include swimming the English Channel, that was in the 80s, and more recently swimming around the island of Manhattan. Also, an attempted swim from Catalina Island to the California coast, that fell short. But his two most recent efforts were to raise thousands of dollars for local charities and to help the community heal after the Michael Brown shooting in Ferguson. The story is told in a documentary film titled Swimming to Ferguson. It opens here Friday at the Tivoli. I spoke with Henry Biggs by phone earlier this week and with director Derek Ells in studio. I began by suggesting to Ells that his film is really two films in one. It really could be seen that way, but it's it's a direct um, response to the story we're telling. It's it's this wouldn't exist without Ferguson, um, and and so Henry's Henry's story and the uh, Ferguson unrest are directly related, and you know so it's a chicken and egg situation, but they are two different worlds for sure. Henry, let's refresh uh, people's memories with regard to. Uh, why it is that you felt uh, necessary to become involved in the post-Ferguson situation? Well, you know, I think as St. Louisans, we all, um, we have, I think it's important to sort of take ownership. I think you'll hear in the movie some really, I think, extraordinary testimonials and thoughts on the on the topic. And a lot of them say, look, this is this is a national problem, but we want to work on uh, the issue in St. Louis, and we don't want to just, you know, sweep it under the rug. And so for me, I heard a lot of talk about the issues of Ferguson, but I didn't really see anybody, you know, and there were people doing anything. That's not a fair statement, but I didn't really see sort of many people saying, okay, well, what's the thing that I could do? Um, and so I said, well, you know, this, it might be a neat way for me to look, I'm going to swim around Manhattan and you'll pledge a dollar amount per mile and uh, let's see how much money we can raise, you know, and so it did. It attracted it attracted a good amount of attention. You know, we were glad to raise one hundred twenty thousand for the cause. Um, So. So, yeah, I think as a citizen of St. Louis, it was important to me. But there was more than one cause, wasn't there? Yeah, well, ultimately, the there was one core principle, and that was that it be for an endowment of things that would make the Ferguson area better, right? So the Chad's Coalition, which was really for teen depression and suicide in the Ferguson area, Big Brothers, Big Sisters, which is uh, about mentorship, which is very, a very important part of the solution, uh, and St. Louis Community College, a scholarship that helped support uh, Captain Ron Johnson's uh, scholarship. Uh, those were the three the three causes. And Derek, uh, Captain Johnson is a, is a part of your film. Uh, n- needless to say, uh, what what got you involved in this? Uh, Henry and I had worked on some short things together, and he's just a, a really wonderful spirit. And and then you know it was sort of an off thing. Let's 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 do a little short film on this, and it just 
literally kept growing and growing from there. And and midway through, we said, you know what? There's this other swim that does, you know, completes this uh, triple crown of uh, open water swimming, which is a very rare and grueling thing to accomplish. So uh, that's that's the Catalina swim that you're talking about. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Why swimming, Henry? I mean, there are any number of things you could do with your background. (laughs) Why swimming? Maybe, I don't know, maybe it's a certain masochism, the sort of the thing that I find uh, the least pleasant is uh, the one that I, the sort of fear that I want to conquer. I think having made the English Channel, um, you know, early on, I guess I was 24, and then I, it was so horrible, I put it away for such a long time, and I thought, you know, um, I think my running days, frankly, were over, um, so... I think running was kind of out. I could have forced gumped my way across the country, I suppose. Uh, I think the, the, the documentary shows that is the most unpleasant is that for some reason, all of these swims have to be in cold water. And um, it's, you know, it's one thing to have to swim 20 miles, swim for 10, 15 hours. But honestly, having to swim in cold water is just so unpleasant. And praying in that water. So... Um, you know, I, I don't feel like I've given you the best answer to your question. Um, maybe it is a sort of desire to suffer that, that next level suffering. And finding a place to train. I mean, that was always an issue for you. You couldn't always be uh, in the exact spot where you're ultimately going to make that swim. That's exactly right. So uh, it was particularly hard when you are, you know, a Missourian uh, and you're, you're in St. Louis and you are, uh, you're just, uh, you've got a you know, go and can't really swim in the Mississippi. I guess there are certain spots you can, but uh, um, you've got to find a place that's close to home, that's cold. Um, and so you're going in the lakes in middle, late March. And, uh, and yeah, and so you have to find um, swimming pools and bodies of water where you can swim for four to six hours. Um, and there aren't many. <laughs> and the, condition, the conditions are so much different than those places where you actually will be swimming. You know, I want to point out one part of the film that uh, people should know about. Uh, th- this is a grueling ordeal that you went through, and that's very, very clear in the film, uh, which is narrated by Joe Buck. And he had uh, something to say during the course of the film as to what the athleticism was like uh, for Henry when you were making the making those initial swims. So let's hear what Joe Buck had to say about it. I'm in the booth, so uh, I, I can handle three hours, four hours, five hours, six hours, seven hours. I've seen seven hours straight in golf sometimes, but that, let's be honest, that's not really physically taxing. They're walking around and swinging a little club at a little ball. Uh, but for a body to react with no net uh, for... 10 hours, 15 hours, 20 hours, whatever it may be, um, that's, that's next level and beyond anything I call uh, on a professional level. Henry, Joe Buck has seen a lot of uh, athletes in his day, but I think he holds you in very, very high regard for your athletic accomplishments in the water. Yeah, you know, I think I'm, I was extremely touched that his, uh, at those statements. Um, I think the part that he speaks to as well, there's the no net part, uh, but there is also that sort of element of danger um, that he speaks to at another point where, you know, you really 
can't know what's going to happen. You could be stung by jellyfish, and that is part of the process. You're going to get stung by jellyfish. You could, you know, they're always terrified of sharks. Uh, the, the currents could go another way. Uh, there's just no way to know what's going to happen. And you, you have a boat next to you, but, you know, there's you're, it's you against all the elements. So it is a very different athletic proposition than most of the stuff that we see. Derek, what do you make of the athletic uh, side of this whole uh, story? Well, um, seeing him do two of the three of these swims, I mean, he gets in the water and he, he you never stop swimming or you never stop treading for hours and hours and hours. And, and we say in the film, it's the, the, the water temperature really is about cold tap water and it is the real <laughs> deal. I mean, there's lots of wonderful athletic feats out there, but this is this is particularly you know a lot of the we speak to some of the best uh open water swimmers in the world and it's really about conquering your own mind and henry said this too so it's it's really you know telling your body even though this is kind of killing you please keep doing it and henry would be able to elaborate on that but well it's got to be uh, difficult in a different kind of way too for someone like yourself i mean you these events have to be filmed and you're doing it, uh, as, as was the case with the Catalina Swim, at night when not, not a whole lot of light out there in the, in the Pacific Ocean uh, overnight. What, what were the complications for you? Thank you for recognizing. <laughs> yes, that's a, pers- a personal sort of uh, <laughs> challenge. You know, you always wish you had, you know, five Steadicams and this and that. And it was really pitch black for that Catalina Swim. And, and you're constantly, your viewers won't see this, but you're, you're constantly swaying like this. So try to get an even steady shot for you know two to three seconds at a time it's a it's a challenge and every single one of us were were just uh so seasick and again henry was doing the the heavy lifting for sure but um you know crew members were um there was there was lots of issues well, lots of uh, T- Teresa Biggs was one of those, and in, in that particular <laughs> episode, I, a uh, part of the uh, of, of the uh, film, she said, uh, if, "If you decide to do another swim, she she's not going to go on the boat." <laughs> <laughs> I don't blame her. One of the things that um, didn't get said, but the the year prior, I had actually uh, been in their shoes, and I had had to watch somebody else try and swim across. He also didn't make it, um, and. I was with another guy, and we were just horribly, horribly seasick. Um, I know exactly um, what that's about. And you, you take medicine, you do what you can, but um, it, it is terrible. And I'm just going to have to look up somebody um, that I really maybe don't like and try and ask them to be on the boat for the next time in my way of getting even some, some dark way. Again, I go back to the Catalina swim, and I know you're afraid of sharks. That's made very, very clear in the film. <laughs> but, in, but in starting that swim, you apparently cut your feet on some barnacles or coral or something, and here you are heading off on a, on a swim in the Pacific Ocean with, with blood on your body. Sharks love that. Oh, you know, having the harbor right next to us, next to us being called Shark Harbor, and yeah, you know, um, there's no way around it. They have you swim to shore, and then, you know, you just, you can't see anything because it's 11 o'clock at night, so you don't know what you're stepping on. Um, and then you're supposed to launch yourself. You get all the way on shore and then launch yourself out, and you, there's no way that I can figure out any way that you don't cut yourself. Now, um, it is uh, if you have some apprehension about uh, sea life, um, that doesn't help. Um, it is distracting. 
there's no doubt about it. Um, and you just got to, you know, there's just nothing you can do. So you just have to think about the swim because, you know, if it's going to happen, it's going to happen. Well, let's turn now to the other part of the story, and that is the message, uh, the, the, the other message that uh, uh, is, is paramount, I think, uh, is part of this film. And Derek, let me go to you on this. What, what do you want folks to take away from this with regard to the, the, not the swimming so much, but the reason for the swimming? Well, I think um, it is really just about um, what can any of us do to uh, – there's, there's bad things in the world. What can you do to, to mitigate those? What can you do to, to, to step in and, and not just be a, uh, you know, an observer of, of the uh, troubles in society and, and get moving and, and try, to, try to help? Um, and it's we, – we try to fairly um, lay out – some of the issues that were brought up by the, these experts, um, you know, I think three or four people on the Ferguson Commission um, and tried to be honest and, and as fair as we could to uh, be respectful to the, uh, to the police side, to be respectful to the African-American community side, to try to just let it unfold and, you know, let them dictate. We have another clip from uh, one of the people featured in the film. That's uh, Starsky Wilson, who's a co-chair of the Ferguson Commission. And uh, toward the end of your film, he talked about uh, when all of this was said and done and all we had heard from all the people and seen all the swimming, he basically talked about a very important aspect of all of this, and that was commitment. If you put your treasure in a place, your heart will follow, your passions will follow where you place your treasure. My God, I, I don't know anything that we treasure more than our time. The question is, where are we putting it? If we put our time into a community that's suffering, our passion will follow it. If we put our time into a child that doesn't have a mentor, our heart will be drawn to that child. If we put our time with people who have diverse cultural perspectives and those who are different from us, and guess what? We'll actually come to love them. That's Starsky Wilson, former co-chair of the Ferguson Commission. And Henry Biggs, uh, I would have to think that what he said there is exactly what you've been feeling all these years. <laughs> well, yeah. I mean, one of the parts we haven't talked about is, you know, I've been a big brother for, gosh, about 30 years. And, you know, you spend time. Uh, Jamil, my little brother, lived with us for two or three times. So I was getting himself set up and then his son lived with us for about a year just uh, just this last year um and i think you know the good reverend is spot on i want to say one quick thing that i thought was truly amazing about what derek did for the film and and what you see happen when you start you see these wildly divergent views and for those who are on the right they'll be upset those on the left will have people to be upset about um but what was striking is that when we talked about solutions, uh, both sides were remarkably similar and really interested in sort of a mentorship-style solution, whatever the context. So that that sort of organically happened, that although there's this great divide that seems hopeless, actually we see a sort of a silver lining. There is this spot that we can go to, this solution that's there, that both sides agree on, and that is is that that hope that you uh, that that seems so so um, so vanishing, so fleeting. Um, that really is uh, 
gives a lot of hope for the future. Well, it seems that there's more hope than there is concrete action having taken place following Ferguson. What do you think of of progress or perhaps lack of it that has taken place, Henry, uh, since August of 2014? Well, that's a great question. Um, I think uh, I think there could be, as Professor Early mentioned, uh, I think it's sort of remarkable that more progress hasn't happened really in the last you know, since the Civil Rights Act, and we aren't farther along. Um, but, um, you know, progress is slow. When I talk with people on the Ferguson Commission, I think the part that they're getting right is really setting up institutions that don't allow us to forget, because I think that's probably the most dangerous thing to try and say, oh, you know, that was something that happened then that's not a problem now or you know we're no longer going to talk about that keep it in play um and slowly but surely i think progress will be made but it's it's not a super sexy soundbite you know the progress that you make is done by reaching out spending time with each other um helping out the next generation uh it's not a sort of you know we'll build a we'll build a museum and everything will be well um, you know, it is a, it's a harder, longer process, but, you know, there is a solution, and I think that's, that's the hope to take from that. Well, what, what you say there brings to mind the fact that uh, they're talking now about hoping to realize some of the objectives that they've been talking about for a long time by 2039. Now, that's putting, that's putting the, uh, the, the, the solution to the problem pretty far down the road. Yeah, you know, the only thing I could say, and I don't, I don't have enough of the details here, but I would hope that they would say, um, we want it to be 2039 because it takes a generation. So we're looking at 30 years, you know, or, or 20 years. Um, at the same point, at the same time, if they don't say, and we're going to get this done by 2020 and this done by 2024, that's not going to be at the at the front of people's minds. So it, it really has to stay a slow and steady burn. Um, and because if you say, like, we'd like to get this all done by 2022, I think that's dangerous, too, because I think this is a longer process. And so I, I like that it's they're thinking long term, um, but I just hope that they're looking at some shorter term progress along the way. Derek, uh, what did you learn uh, about all of this in, in making the film and talking to all these people? Uh, it's a really interesting question uh, for me. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm honestly really grateful because I'm sure you've experienced this, that when you're on these journeys, you, you really are a student as well. And, uh, you know, these are, are – we, we spoke with some really brilliant people and some people that went through very difficult things. And it was an education process for me. Um, Henry – is is honestly very truly inspiring to me because again he, I'm not just going to talk. I'm going to get out and do walk the walk. Uh, yeah, he's a he's a kind soul and he acts that way regularly. And 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 somebody mentioned uh, last week that this is like an action film, and there's plenty of athletic action, but it is also about these uh, micro actions of you know let's take an hour. Maybe maybe this could you know mm-hmm. be a positive thing for somebody in somebody's life and. Um, it's a really beautiful sentiment to me. And it's a, this, the film gives us all an awful lot to think about. One final question for you, Henry. Uh, how much thought are you giving to the possibility of uh, another attempt at that Catalina swim? Uh, well, you know, I got to tell you, I'm, you know, I'm really not getting any younger. So um, 
I do wake up on certain mornings and just think about how happy I am that I don't have to jump into cold water. <laughs> and each day that that happens makes me a little less inclined. Um, I think if I'm to do it again, and I think uh, for it to be, uh, you know, a world record in that silly sort of slowness way, um, I think it has to be 2022. So I'm I'm really... I'm really, frankly, quite torn because uh, as much as Derek did a great job of just showing how much time it, you invest in these things, but it is so all-consuming. So, um, you know, I'm sort of telling myself, well, you know, 2022 or 2023 or whenever, I'm going to need to just, you know, say, okay, I'm, I don't get to do anything this year but swim. <laughs> And uh, and swim in cold water, you know. So. Well, why don't you, why don't you do it during the daytime instead of this overnight swim? Well, you know, the Catalina has to be at night because uh, if you swim during the day, the waves always by the Santa Ana winds get so rough that uh, it's extremely hard to to survive or you know not survive, but you know to get across and have a successful swim. So a lot of people do the channel at night. Um, for the same reason, uh, I don't think it's quite as marked for the channel. So a lot of people do it during the day, but you're right. Swimming at night, um, is really, it's not only psychologically difficult, it's just, you know, you're, you're pulling an all nighter on top of, uh, you know, this 15 hour swim. So you're, uh, you know, it's, it's, <laughs> it's just, uh, it's, it's difficult. I was really more of a mess, I think, uh, for that final swim, the Catalina swim, than, you know, many of the swims that I completed. So, uh, yeah, but it really has to be at night. And you can't, you try and adjust your clock to swim. You know, I'm going to stay up all night and then I'll swim during the day. And you really, uh, you really can't quite get there. You, you do something, but you just can't quite get your clock completely turned around. Well, Derek, you'll have to keep track of your crew uh, up until 2022, I guess, the way, <laughs> the way things are shaping up. I want to thank both of you gentlemen for being with us. Uh, Henry Biggs, congratulations for all that you've accomplished. And Derek Ells, congratulations to you for a fine film, thank you. which is going to be screening from September 14th through the 20th at the Tivoli Theater. It's a very, very interesting film, folks. Uh, I'd recommend you're, you're taking a look. You'll see some wonderful people saying some truly great things. Henry, Derek, thank, thank you. you so thank much. you so much. Thank you so much. This is St. Louis on the Air on St. Louis Public Radio, 90.7 KWMU.